I feel like we're on a run right now where we're every up. single show that we do just gets better and better. We're coming uh, hot on every we're, show. We're running, re- and you know what? Big props to Jeff Gordon and the Mayans, who I believe invented calendars, uh, for setting up. No, they definitely didn't. Wasn't it Galileo? <laughs> didn't Galileo come up with like the distance or something of the Earth, and then calendars, whatever? Um, wow. Anywho, for making this year's free agency, where the rebuilding but no longer rebuilding New York Rangers are able to sign Artemi Panarin. Hats off to Jeff Gordon for doing it before the show begins. Hats off to the Mayans slash Galileo for doing it in a way where 7-1 falls on a Monday when we record. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Joe Fortunato. I'm joined, as always, by my guest, Michael Murphy. You are listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts, the flagship edition. You can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes and Stitcher and all those fun things. And you should leave us a review because I was just checking out our uh, most recent tracker. It like tells you it's on Chartable. It tells you how I guess listened the show is on a day by day basis uh, compared to anyone else in the world. And our most recent review, some guy gave us one star, Bone Saw One Two Three, because he listened to the show two weeks ago where we were talking about Truba. And then at the end of the episode, we talked about the Church of Kako three days before the draft. Because why the fuck would we do that when the Rangers are going to get Kako? But, you know, when you get a guy like Bonesaw123, he is absolutely successful in life. So um, leave us a nice review because he's a jerk. So don't be a jerk. That's all I have to say on that. Bonesaw123. And he insulted Ryan, which is bullshit. You don't don't insult Ryan. You seem to be taking this... Very personally, uh, I, I just I don't imp- I don't appreciate when people attack Ryan, you know, or like us. I don't like when people are unnecessarily. Also, angry. we are huge in Finland. Of course, we are. I don't know why, but in Apple Podcasts in Finland, we are fucking killing it. So, hello, all of our Finnish listeners. We appreciate you. Thank you. Um, are, a lot of Europeans speak english especially in the uh the nordic area just absolutely fucking dominating um they're really just smarter than us they really yeah well they're listening to our show so they have to be super smart anyway uh hoof what is there to even say uh the rangers if you live under a rock and this is the only source of new york rangers information that you have signed artemi panarin to a seven year 11.642 million cap hit per year contract well below the $12 million that he wanted, well below the $13 million that were being rumored. We're going to get into all of that. Yeah. But, Mike, today's Monday. It's 8 o'clock. 24 hours ago, I thought there was no chance the Rangers were landing Panarin. In no world were they getting Panarin. All the reports said he was going to the Islanders. He wanted to go to Florida. The Rangers were on the outside looking in. Jeff Gordon, I have a story that's going live today. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, stones the size of fucking West Indies. The West Indies. Yep. Um, Didn't do a thing. He sat there with his fucking penis on the table and he was like, this is our offer. You can take this offer or you can go play on Long Island. And what did Panarin do, Michael? Took the offer. He took the offer. Well, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, just like you, I had a lot of reservations. I didn't think this was going to happen, given... Because, really, it was, today was crazy in the amount of signings we saw, but in many ways, last night was crazy because so much got leaked and so much got out already. Like, a lot of the stuff 
you know, we knew where Duchesne was going. We knew where Pavelski was going. We knew where Zuccarello was going, which unfortunately means the Rangers will not get that 2021st out of Dallas, which would have been great. But yeah, you know what, Dallas? What the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah. Although, can we just say that? But yeah. No, no. I'm saying Dallas. What are they doing? Dallas resigned. Yeah. Why didn't Dallas sign Zuccarello? They loved him. I mean, my next comment was going to be whatever Fenton is smoking. I I mean, the lizard comment about Zuccarello, insane. The five-year, thirty million dollar with like full no trade protection until the last two years, and then it becomes modified. Uh, I love. I would give organs to keep Matt Zuccarello alive. That is insane. When that team already has Zach Parisi, Ryan Suter, Miko Koivu, only for one more year, but also Eric Stahl. Those guys, including Zuccarello, everyone there is over 32. And obviously Parisi and Suter signed until the end of time. And now you have Zuccarello for five years. I mean, I know they, they got a little bit younger. You know, they added Donato and, you know, they have... Kevin Fiala, of course, and there's some prospects that can get into the lineup, but holy hell, that's a... Uh... What do you, like, wh- I don't know. I mean, listen, anyway, all the power to him, but Jesus Minnesota. Christ. Uh, the, the Panarin deal, when we when we heard it was confirmed that it was going to happen, like just like everyone, I was like, that's unbelievable, uh, because my first thought was... You know, it would be awful if he ended up in the division with the Islanders, right? That would be, that would make things so much worse. The fact that he left money on the table to come to the Rangers instead makes everything just a little bit sweeter. I I mean, is is this not a tall tell sign that the New York Rangers are not, like Jeff Gordon is not Glenn Sather. And I wrote about this today, so I am sort of spoiler if you really want to read my story. But if Glenn Sather was the Rangers' general manager and he heard that the Islanders were offering 12-5, he would have offered 13. He would have never been outbid by a division rival above any. I mean, this is a man who gave Wade Redden such a brilliant contract that when they were fighting with Columbus, believe it or not, back in the day, that Redden didn't even go back to Columbus for a counteroffer. He was like, yeah, that's the contract that I'm taking. And he signed with the Rangers. That's that man. The man who paid for Bobby Holik and Kasparitis and all of these players that you can go back years. Scott Gomez, Chris Drury, Brad Richards. When Glenn Sather wanted his man, he got his man. And I think it's safe to say the Rangers were either very, very comfortable that everything that was leaking to the media was posturing by Panarin and his camp, which it may have been, or that they were the only offer, the only option, or I'm sorry, that they were willing for him to go to another team at a higher term than they were willing to pay. Yeah. And it says volumes. I mean, it really does that he took 900000 less a year to play for the Rangers and turned down a Columbus eight-year $94 million deal. Yeah. So it wasn't about the uh, money. At the 11th hour, Columbus... Gave him a pitch and... Which, how much of that is Columbus just like, oh, we tried, guys? Doing some lip service for fans. Well, I mean, obviously, if Panarin would have taken the deal, they would have had to pay out on it, but... Yeah, but I feel like that is a good, like, hey, you know, we tried. Because Columbus, you know, better than anyone, really has a good idea of the value of Artemi Panarin. I know Chicago had a very good sense, but remember, like... There was some speculation, like, how much of Panarin is tied to Pat Kane? And, you know, I wrote a piece for Sporting News, and I've been tweeting for for banter and getting stuff up on Facebook today. 
I looked really closely at just what Panarin does in terms of when he's on the ice. There just there aren't wingers that generate offense at his level at five on five. He's kind of one of like two or three guys who can do it. Over the past two years, what he does in terms of primary assists at five on five makes what Matt Zuccarello did look like, oh yeah, Zuccarello is okay. Panarin is on another planet. The only guy who has a higher uh, primary assist per 60 uh, over the past, you know, inclusive of the last two seasons, so in other words, his two-year span in Columbus, is Mitch Marner, and it's by .01 first uh, assist per 60 seconds. When your closest comparable is Mitch Marner in terms of making things happen, and Mitch Marner had Austin Matthews to feed the puck to, you know you're a pretty goddamn good player. And He had... Cam Atkinson and Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, this the past two seasons, but especially this season in Columbus. And, you know, Cam Atkinson had a 41-goal year. I don't think that happens without Artemi Panarin. And the thing that has me excited is thinking about, you know, there, obviously we have so much to unpack from this because a lot of dominoes are going to fall here with Kreider, who knows, but, like, just think, just penciling Panarin in to the Rangers lineup. Just Panarin and Zibanejad. How many goals can Mika Zibanejad as a, you know, a shoot first center end up with this season? It's and it's and you're a not huge, even huge huge deal in terms of like you said. This is. I don't think the Rangers are a cup contender strictly because of this, but they're a playoff team for damn sure. Like yeah, I, I team. completely agree with that. I mean, we're not even talking about Buchnevich or Kako. Or anyone, Kreider maybe even, who could be the other winger on that line. Kravstov, there's a lot of you're, 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 you're ignoring an entire third person because of how good that one-two punch is. Uh, Dmitry uh, Filipovic had... Filipovic, yeah. Filipovic. Well, you know what? He should have an H at the end of his name, but I love Dmitry. So. Um, here's Panarin's league ranks since coming to the NHL. So we're talking a four-year stint. Points, he's seventh. Primary points, he's eighth. 5v5 points, which means on even strength, 5th. 5v5 primary points, 4th. There is a case to be made that Panarin is easily a top 10 player in the NHL. Now, it gets a little funky because you value centers differently than wingers. If, but easily... talking wingers, he's... he's top be, 5. He's, he might be top he might 5. Be top 3, really. He might be. I mean... Especially if you value 5v5 play over the... Like, wingers who are strictly goal scorers. You know, your Patrick Lines, the guys who just are trigger men, but they're outstanding at it. Guys like Ovechkin, but of course Ovechkin does a lot more than just shoot the puck. But if you're talking about wingers who are so good at generating offense that they can carry not just a line, but an entire power play, like they're not, they don't make a lot of players like Artemi Panarin. They, they just don't, there's not a lot of them. And like, did the Rangers pay a lot for him? Of course they did. Panarin's AAV is now the second highest in the league, just above Austin Matthews. The only guy with a higher cap hit is Connor McDavid. So this contract will, you know, one way or another, will completely shape the fate of this organization. That's just the bottom line here, right? This has become the Artemi Panera New York Rangers. We're entering a new age, really. And in, a, in an interesting way, Joe... I know, you know, you and I will both write a lot and talk a, a lot about this. This is kind of the, we're transitioning out of the Henrik Lundqvist era and into the Panarin era because 
you know, even if, you know, five years from now, if he, you know, he takes a step down and maybe Capo Caco is the far superior player, the bottom line is the Rangers tied themselves to this player with the, the contract they gave him. And I look at the deal. I look at the other contracts that went out there. I look at what it could have been. And the fact that he left money on the table, the fact that he didn't end up in, you know, with the Islanders and Lou. It's very hard not to see this as a win, despite the fact that it came at such an incredible cost. And like, if you think about what Jeff Gordon was able to do in terms of acquiring Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, and then signing Artemi Panarin, like this offseason has been a masterstroke, you know, albeit we still have some question marks with especially like Truba, the Truba contract needs to happen. And now it's more important than ever where that AAV ends up, of course, because, you know, heading into this offseason, Joe, it's like, you know what, if the Rangers don't sign Panarin, whatever, just sign a couple of guys, plug some holes next offseason, see what's out there, maybe take a run at Taylor Hall, who knows, but all of a sudden this this cap hit, this team that had so much salary cap, right, is, well, we're up against it. But yeah, I mean, <clears throat> without... Any of the major RFAs kept. Yeah. The Rangers have uh, basically $8.7 million. Now, we're talking in general terminology. Um, when Matt Bolesky gets sent down, the Rangers are going to save a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, but if the Rangers make no save, I mean, they yeah, have to do Brent something. Buried as well. It'll be- save some money. Because D'Angelo is probably going to get three-ish million dollars. Okay. Truba is going to get seven to eight. Buchnevich is going to get three, three and a half. Brendan Lemieux is going to get, I don't know, 1.2. You're, you're talking about probably 14 or 15, maybe even $16 million between the four of them. And I just, you don't, the Rangers trade VC, which we'll talk about, um, yep. which is really just a cap-saving move. A lot of people are upset at the return. Why? What, Jimmy Vesey was great it's, it, in terms of like a soldier on the ice. Yeah. He was not a good hockey player. He was fine. Being upset at the return because it's a third round pick and it's not next year's draft, which is deep as all hell. It's in the year after. But the thing that I think is important here is this trade happened before they got Panarin. Cap space acquired in a deal is an asset. Right. Especially when you're bringing in Panarin. You, you need to look at it as an asset. If VC is still on the books for this, then the Rangers, if they're trying to negotiate now to, to move him, they might have gotten less than a third-round pick because teams would know that, like, yeah, we can just say, yeah, give us, we'll give you a fourth-round pick for Jimmy Vesey, a fifth-round pick, you know. And the fact that they got him for what they, like, they got the third-round pick, like, I'm not over the moon about it. It doesn't matter a whole lot considering the fact that it... Obvious, I think it obviously played a role in making the Panarin contract work. I mean, it's $11.642 million on the books. Having another $2.275 million come off makes that possible, Like to be frank. Yeah, and the Rangers will have cap relief. I mean, in two years, you're losing the 6.6 from Shattenkirk, the 5.7 from Stahl, yeah. the 5.2 from Shea. You're the four, losing the 8.5 to Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Um, There's a lot opening up in two seasons. And then, of course, the other thing, Joe, is, you know, there are there are guys they can move on the roster now that 
you know, especially right. And that's that's the next thing. It's really VC yeah. or not VC. It's Nemestikov, Strom, and Kreider, who you really and Kreider is going to be a very interesting case because now, I mean, now that you have Panarin, you really look. Can you? I'd prefer them keep both of them yeah. because Kreider is a important impact player in the NHL, and I don't mean that in the same way that Panarin is an impact player. I mean it is in Kreider impacts all three zones of the ice, a lot like Rick Nash. And I just, but Lee just got $7 million for seven years on the island. Supposedly there were teams out there that were going to give him nine. I don't yeah. know how that's possible. Hayes just got $50 million over seven years to Philadelphia. I mean, are you comfortable giving what will be a 29-year-old Chris Kreider a seven or eight-year deal for seven, seven, five million dollars I don't know if I am. And I, I'm a huge Chris Kreider Especially fan. with Panarin now. And I like I love what he does, but Chris Kreider is not... Like, I've, I, I wrote this today. I feel like Chris Kreider is a luxury that this team can no longer afford. They have an $11.642 million left winger. Uh, they can't really afford to have a $6 million left winger on the second line for the foreseeable future, right? It just... Panarin is just an upgrade... A massive upgrade over Chris Kreider, who again is a great hockey player, and you know, you and I not too long ago were talking about how this guy is like a front runner to be captain of, of the team, and on, I still believe he would be a great captain for this team. The problem is that you know he's 28. You know, it, it's weird to think about. Kreider still feels like a young guy to a lot of people. He's he's a year older than Artemi Panarin. Um, you know, he's. I mean, Panarin's going to be 20 in October, but you get the idea. But, like, Kreider, investing in Kreider on a long-term deal to sign him through this season because he has a 4.625 hit, and then he's a UFA next July 1st. So a year from now, you know, he's just, anyone can have him. So the Rangers and really Jeff Gordon and the front office has to decide what can we really get for Chris Kreider and or... You know, do they want to hold on to him and see what this team can do with Kreider in the lineup? The other thing that's interesting to me, Joe, is we have Capocacco, who is yet to sign as ELC, right? But that's just a that will happen. It's inevitable. You have Kravstov, you have Buchnevich, and right there, without Chris Kreider, we're at you know potentially four wingers you want in your top six. Right in your top six, and we haven't that even. Is, <sighs> That makes the Chris Kreider situation that much more like, you know, oh, holy, holy crap. And, you know, there's also, of course, the potential of, you know, Philip Heedle playing wing on the top side. Well, I was going to say, right now, Heedle's the team's second-line center. That's, yeah, well, I just wrote that for banter. That's what I think is the best thing for this team moving forward, especially because if you develop your own centers, Joe, they're a lot less expensive to keep because you develop your own young players. Um, and you get them at lower cost, generally speaking. The Rangers cannot afford, you know, a like a plan wherein they buy in free agency a second-line center. Maybe they could move Chris Kreider to get another young center prospect um, and a pick or something. That might be something they want to consider. But uh, it is, like, if you look at this team, everything is going to be attached to this, the contracts of Panarin and Truba. Uh, it, it would be remarkable if Truba signed a deal that's, you know, has any term less than like four years to me. 
They they gave up what they gave up for him. They want him badly. He's 25. They're going to have him for as long as they can have him, right? That goes without saying. And, you know, for the past year or two, you and I have been talking about how this team has, like, everyone coming off the books in the next two years. Like, the hot, the longest Ranger under contract is Panarin. After him, it's Brady Shea. After him, it's, it's Zibanejad and excluding the guys who are on ELCs like Adam Fox. And then after that, everyone comes off the books, Joe, in two years or one year from now. Yeah, two years Every- from now, they all come off the book. Next year, you lose, you save another $2.5 on the Dan Girardi cap. It goes from 3.6 to 1.1. Um, the Rangers will have a lot of freed up cap space. And that's sort of what you talk about rebuilding. It's the reason why this is possible is because Heedle, Anderson, Howden, and then going down the list now to Fox and eventually D'Angelo, these guys are either on entry-level contracts or will be bridged for short-term deals. And that adds up over time. If the Rangers are going to keep Kreider, it it forces more difficult decisions down the line. And, And listen, there is absolutely value to Kreider. And you brought up a good point. The Rangers are probably a playoff team right now. It's hard to imagine them not at least fighting for a playoff spot. As, I think I could tell you I would be shocked. Mark, yeah. As, as confusing as the blue line is, they, even without, even if they move Kreider, if they bring in another roster player who's you know above replacement level, with the amount of depth they have in terms of uh, I should, depth is a curious word but what they have on the right side of the deep curious the line, like and also what they could potentially have in a first line the rangers could have an elite first line in the league with a, a rookie on it they could have zibanejad panarin Kapokako, or panarin zibanejad kravstov they could have either one of those two things and it could be one of the best lines in the division if not the conference or the league it's it's exciting to think about, but that changes a lot of stuff, right? It changes everything. There, it's and it's crazy because we went from sort of having. I mean, if the Rangers don't get Panarin, there's still going to be Kreider discussions, but it's probably not going to be on the level that we're we're going to end up having discussions about. Nemestikov is probably sticking around. Strom is sticking around. There was VC conversation, whatever. Yeah. But with Panarin in in the fold. The money's just not there. It does not work. The Rangers need to save, I mean, at a conservative estimate, $5 million. And that's if they lowball the shit out of everybody. So, and, you know, again, here's other things. If the Rangers do go after a guy like Brian Boyle, which there's some scuttlebutt that they might be, that's more money that you need to save. If they want to bring in another veteran up front, that's more money you need to save. If no player goes to arbitration, then the Rangers don't have a second buyout window. Now, they could very well say to Buchnevich, listen, can you file for arbitration, please? Is it? Do they have to just file for arbitration, or do they actually have to go to arbitration? Um, well, if they... Boy, that's this is terrible podcasting, no, they, isn't it? No, they can file, but then the thing is, you can, settle, you can sign them after they file. Like, there's a right, deadline. but does that earn you the second buyout window? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I can look that up on. I'm Cap typing Friendly. it right now. Oh, How does an NHL team no get Cap Friendly's FA FAQ? They have a, uh, a buyout. FAQ. Well, you're gonna try to find it like that. I'm just gonna. Why? While Joe was talking about that, the other thing we should mention because it, it does impact this 
all of this is that the Canucks chose to buy out Ryan Spooner. Um, and what that did for the Rangers' books is it Spooner's retained salary is extended over another year. But it's it, it looks like a player only has to file. Okay, and then you just qualify. So you could say to Buchnevich, listen, here's the contract we're going to give you. Can you please file for arbitration? Yeah. And then we'll sign you to the contract. Yeah. Well, to finish my thought quickly, the Rangers do have, instead of what the contract was for Spooner, which I think was 900 k I believe. Correct, that now, buyout. 300 k next season and in 2020-21, then he is off the books. And the other thing that's crazy to think, Joe, is... It's not until 2023 that Dan Girardi's buyout is completely off this team's books. Oh, it's so sad. But this is you know, the last year of the big penalty. Yeah, this is, this upcoming season is the last season of the big it's the final penalty. 3.6. It's, the final it's 3. 6. I don't even I'm I'm almost numb right now because there was so much leading up to whether or not Panarin was going to come, whether or not the New York Rangers were going to get him, he was going to go to the Islanders. I was mentally preparing myself. I was doing all this talking in my head, like, ah, you don't want him at $12 million. Ah, you don't want him at $13 million. And I was talking to a friend, and I was trying to explain how... You have friends other than me? Uh, maybe I was talking to you about this, son of a bitch. But yes, I do. Not really. I pay for them. Um, I was trying to explain how... Sticking to one eleven point five million dollars made sense, and not going to twelve million made sense over five hundred thousand. But then, like, oh, I guess it's okay if they went to twelve, but twelve five is completely out of the question. And he was like, "Well, it's just another million dollars." And and I was like, "Yeah, but it's weird. But it's not okay. But it's okay." And, and it was just this really strange, like. How much is too much? And the, the Connor McDavid comparisons came from everywhere because he's making twelve five and he's the highest played player in the NHL. And it, they don't seem to realize that it really has nothing to do with that. Like Crosby's paid $8.7 million. He's woefully underpaid comparatively, but it's when you sign the deal. Yeah, Salary caps go up and down. It has nothing. They don't change. Like the value doesn't change. This contract more than likely in two years if the NHL doesn't fuck things up and they sign a huge TV deal. I mean, you're you're talking about who knows how high the salary cap could go. Maybe it goes yeah. to ninety million dollars, and all of a sudden this doesn't look that bad. That's why we look at the percentage of the cap. You, you, you look at at where it hits the and almost everybody, all the talking heads, they all said the same thing. July first is a really scary day, a spooky day. If Mike, if Mike were speaking, um, a spooky day where you, you, you're handing out bad contracts and you kind of know it. Like one general manager who I think was anonymous said he's trying to get out of bad contracts so that he can offer more bad contracts. Like you get it. Nobody looks at this contract with Panarin as a bad contract. He spent the majority of his career in the KHL. He's only got four years of wear and tear in the NHL. There's no way to prove it. But the lighter schedule in the KHL, like it can't have the same effect that an NHL season has. The NHL is way more physical. It's a much bigger ice surface. The KHL game, they do have... You'll see a lot of highlights of, like, really dirty plays in the KHL in terms of, like, you know, wow, what the hell's happening there? But in, in terms of physicality, it's it's a question of logic. It's There are less hits and less, less body contact in the KHL. It's the European ice surface against North American ice surface. Like, and the problem is, like, it would be great if we could do a study on that, right? The problem is, you know, tracking hits is radically different from different NHL team to different NHL team. You'd have to have, you know, an individual party do it for, you know, a 
an acceptable sample size to understand or get an idea. Of yeah, there's you want no to way to prove it. The the bottom line is, it, what we've seen from Panarin is a remarkably consistent winger who does who has a level of production at five on five that makes him like a truly elite player. We've been, you and I have been talking about this for ages. How the last player of this caliber that the Rangers had on the wing, let alone at any center position, was I mean any forward position was Yarmer Yager, right? Like Rick Nash had a great great couple of years in New York in terms of just production. You know, obviously as he aged, a lot of his value, you know, turned to things that were in the periphery. His his complete 200-foot game, the things he did. Gabrick had a great year, of course, but like, you know, Chris Kreider is a, is a really fine player and then after that, like who of the great wingers been since Yager? There's no one. It's been a long wait. I mean, for... does does Gabrick count as great? Yeah, like the thing with Gabrick is he had that he had a crazy crazy year, right? And then but he was very much like a a glass cannon. Like he he did the one thing, he scored goals, he scored a lot of breakaway goals. He had a great year. And then the Rangers ended up trading him, which in retrospect was one of you know the a home run move. Yeah, a, truly a home run move. It, it ran the Rangers of, to the Stanley Cup final, so Yeah, because of what happened with Gabrick, unfortunately, after after he was eventually dealt, but like we haven't had a player like this in New York in a very long time. The Rangers have had an elite player in Henrik Lundqvist for over a decade. The problem is, you know, he can't win games on his own. What the Rangers need to do now that they have their new elite player, their the the franchise player in Panarin is build, do a better job building around him than they did with Henrik Lundqvist, right? That's the that's the uncomfortable conversation no one wants to have yet. And that's why these des- decisions with guys like Kreider are so important. Because if he's a luxury you can't afford, you have to get a lot back for him. And I feel like the market will be good for Kreider, especially if there are teams out there who feel like, oh man, we missed out on... Joe Pavelski or Anders Lee or fucking Panarin or Matt Zuccarello or Artemi Panarin exactly could, could like, you not trade Kreider to Columbus I mean honestly could you not have that discussion with them of course you could I really like they got Gustav Nyquist right but what else I don't think they've done anything else uh, of a note right? there's just so, so uh, they, Panarin opens up so many doors and Honest to God, the last time the Rangers had a legit superstar was Yager, yeah. and the last time the Rangers had a legit superstar in their prime, I guess was Yager. I mean, Yager's prime lasted like fifteen years. Yeah, but he's, um, he's super but th- th- this is it's 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 so this is not your dad's New York Rangers. It's not. It's such a different team. There's such a different vibe of, of, about the way if you could literally write a textbook about the past 19 months any other team in any sport would use this as as a blueprint for rebuilding could the rangers have had a better 19 months and i got news for you they didn't hit home runs with the mcdonough miller trade which is arguably the biggest trade that jeff gordon did during the the rebuild i agree 100 percent that was i mean listen niles lundquist he he looks like he might be a goddamn monster but even without like like factoring that out even with the biggest trade that gordon made not even you could maybe it's a base hit right now yeah 
because only because the Rangers, I mean, Miller was obviously, he did not work out in Tampa Bay. They trade him off to Vancouver. They signed him to a huge contract. McDonough is declining. He gets a huge contract from Tampa Bay. Um, but a great year, though, Ryan McDonough. Yeah, well, I mean, Tampa was a monster team. But even without that, you look from where the Rangers were, maybe the worst farm system in the NHL, to potentially one of the best, if not the best. The Rangers have more young talent that will be on the NHL ice next year than I think anyone in the league. Yeah, I was actually You can name a dozen players under 23 who are going to play legitimate roles. That's the crazy thing, right? Even, you can name, what is it? It'll be, Heedle is going to be 19 for the 19! He's he's still 18 right now. Yeah, like, if you think of the guys who are 20 or under who can be on the team... And, and like you know, you you won't see defensemen. Hang on, I wrote I wrote this out. Keep talking, but I wrote this out. Thinking about you know, Heedle is nineteen, Leah Anderson's twenty, Brett Howden's twenty one. Then you have Kapokako, you have Vitaly Kravstov, and that's the Fords on the blue line. You have Adam Fox twenty one, maybe Lieber Hayek twenty one. No, oh, you're doing you're doing basically and, what I'm going to do. Yeah, but then the other thing that's so interesting to me is like. We still think about Brady Shea as a young guy. They have him signed forever, but he's 25. Jacob Trube is 25. D'Angelo is 23. If the Rangers play their cards right and they get the right players around a lot of these guys, and if David Quinn does what they brought him in to do and paid him to do, they develop the right way around these guys. This is a team, I think, in, in three years' time, can be a serious contender for the Cup. A lot of it will come down in my opinion, to the development of all these young D and these D pro- prospects, these guys that we covet, like Niles Lundqvist, like Keandre Miller, these guys who you say, you say like, oh my God, they're going to be so good, but we have to wait, right? We, we The the cake is still in the oven, Joe. We can't have a birthday It's cooking. Yet, it's cooking. It is cooking. And by the, t- the thing is, when that cake is ready, Panarin will only be 30. And he doesn't have as much tread on his tires as a typical 30-year-old. And, like, when he hits 30, he might get... he Three years from now, he might lose, you know, a fraction of his foot speed. But the vision that makes him one of the best playmaking wingers in the league doesn't just disappear. Right? But, but here's the other thing. In three years, you're going to theoretically have a fucking dominant Kako. A... Top flight first line winger in Kravstov. I mean, there's plenty of talent that can help carry him. Kako's 18, Hedl's 18, Kravstov is 19, and Anderson's have, 20. The other thing is maybe you have a fully NHL adjusted and comfortable in the starting role, Igor Shosturkin, who really, the thing is, he is like a wild card in all this, right? He wild card. Be, he very well could be a great NHL starting goaltender. And, and he could be an elite now. one. Goalies are voodoo. Yeah. Two years from now, Hank's off the book. So three years from now, if it's if it's Shesterkin who who they end up going with, and there's nothing to say that they can't hold on to Georgiev and Shesterkin, it would just be awkward and cluttered because you know how things work out with those contracts. But if Igor Shesterkin is comfortable with the concept of you know spending a lot of time in the HL this season, and you can sell him on that, like, listen, if you want to be here. And think of the other thing with the Panarin thing is think of like the little, the the click of Russian players the Rangers have. It's like there's an interesting shift away from you know the old leadership group and into the the 
the way that the locker room personality will shape up, I think. It's really interesting. It reminds me, honestly, Joe, remember like the Yager years when the Rangers started the, the stick salute with all the checks they had and, you know, like that they had that little that core, right, of those players that was a huge part of the identity and, and culture of the locker room and the team. We're kind of entering that with this Russian group, right? Like, think about how many Russian players there are with on the Rangers. One of when I was writing the piece about will it be Florida or or New York that Panarin ends up going to, I looked at Florida's roster, and you know Barkov has ties to Russia. Of course, he you know he's Finnish, but you know his his uh, his parents were Russian, and then they have Evgeny Dadnov, who was Panarin's friend growing up. He's known him for a long time, but the Rangers have. You know, Panarin. They have, for the time being, Vlad Domestikov. They have Kravstov. They have Igor Rykov. They have Shosturkin. They have Georgiev. Like, it's a lot of Russian players. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if more are brought in. And that's going to be an interesting part of this as well. But holy hell, how much has changed for this team since you know, the end of the regular season? I mean, like I said, you could not have a better 19 months if you were the New York Rangers, you really couldn't. Realistically, the true betrayed is just, it's out of control good. The true betrayed was great. The contracts yeah. for Panarin is out of control good. In a I realistic world. Say, yeah, that's the thing, right? That's the important aspect. It has to be realistic. You're bidding against other teams. I know there are fans, especially, you know, as outspoken fans of other teams or people who cover other teams might say, like, you know, this is a contract that the Rangers might regret. I did see that on Twitter. My reaction to that is, listen, this is this is a, a world where Jeff Skinner got nine million a year and Kevin Hayes got seven million a year. Let's talk about what you know. Let's talk about that when we talk about this contract. Joe, are you comfortable playing four point six million more a year for Panarin than Kevin Hayes? Fuck yes, I am. And two point six four million more than Jeff Skinner. Of course, you, you you, yeah. And what is it? Duchesne signed for eight, so yeah, three point six five more than Duchesne. Is, You're is goddamn Panarin, right, I am. Is Panarin worth three point six four two million a year on the cap? Yeah, yes, he is. he is. No question. That's, that's just honestly the thing is that's just the cost of doing business in free agency. Like, but this is you. Even if you there wasn't the market driving up free agency prices, which let's be honest, we were terrified the Rangers were going to go after Duchesne if they didn't get Panarin. We were horrified at that Skinner contract. Like those things happen. Yeah, the, Panarin is worth every dime this, yeah. of the contract that he signed. Free agency overflow or not, Panarin is an elite. He's leg, a legitimate superstar. You, there's not enough of a punctuation point that you can put on that he is a legitimate superstar in his prime playing for the new york rangers with a kid who is 18 and just scored at an unprecedented rate in the nhl or the uh, liga and let's not let's not forget the fact that an enormous part of why the rangers are having such a great 19 months is because they won the lottery and there is luck involved in that but Kako changes everything, and then Panarin changed everything again. This is By the way, before we go any further... Coming off an 87-point year, a career best, and... Oh, go ahead, say what you're going to say. But I was just going to say, Panarin posted a goodbye notice 
or goodbye on his Instagram. He goes, quote, Dear Columbus, I want to thank you for your warm welcome and for letting me be a part of the Blue Jackets family. I was very happy to play for Columbus. I hope you won't be too mad at me, winky face. You only live once, end quote. I fucking love this man. It's pretty adorable. I like it. I, you can keep reading your stats because I enjoy hearing about them. Well, like, the thing that strikes me about Panarin, like I said, it was one of those things where I stopped myself from really digging into the numbers because, like you and I think a lot of people, I was like, he's going to end up in Florida or the or in New York with the Islanders. Like, not- well, can we also say, who? what free agents go on tandem meetings? When was the last time you heard about free agents meeting with teams together? Which Panarin and Bobrovsky did for... It had to be Suter and Parise, and they knew they were going to Minnesota. Yeah, and that was just kind of a foregone conclusion, but... I I mean, I really do wonder what would have happened if... It really feels like Bobrovsky took too much money to let Panarin go to Florida as well, and and I don't know what Florida's doing. Bobrovsky's great. That's a shitload of money for a goalie, and they drafted Spencer Knight. If you feel uncomfortable about the Panarin deal, holy hell, the Bobrovsky deal... That you don't give goalies that much money, like Henry. Or that much. It's insane. It's insane. It's just holy. Like there are goalies, Hall of Fame level goalies like Henrik Lundqvist, who you can make the case for. And Henrik Lundqvist, you know, with the Rangers, he's down the twilight of his career. Eight point five million on the cap, and you know, of course, we are talking percentages when they signed. But like Bobrovsky is not a young goalie, Joe. Dude, I. 30 years old. The man's 30 years old. And you drafted Spencer Knight at 13. Which is, like, what is the plan? Yeah. That, Honestly, what is the plan? The other part of this, the the thing that's really interesting to me about this show is, because I like to, uh, the way my brain works, I like to think of, like, dominoes, right? Uh, and how things, like, everything's kind of connected. The Rangers, the Islanders wanted Panarin bad. They didn't get him. What they ended up doing is saying, all right, we're going to bring back Anders Lee, even though that wasn't guaranteed to get Anders Lee. And then they said, you know, the the Islanders are kind of uncomfortable giving, you know, Robin Leonard, uh, you know, a lot of term. What happens? Leonard goes to Chicago. But before that, the Islanders signed Simeon Varlamov for four years at $20 million. It's it's, Why wouldn't you just give the money just... To Letner. If if we're thinking about teams in the Metropolitan, because if we're talking about this team becoming a playoff contender, like you think about you know the way these things work, right? Like you have to be the one of the best teams in your division. The Islanders really didn't do a lot of good today. The Devils have been super interesting since last we talked. Of course, the PK Subban blockbuster, um, and if you know now today they they brought in Wayne Simmons. Uh, on a one-year, five million dollar deal. That contract but, is fine, but doesn't it feel like the Devils are like going for it, and they're not even a playoff team? Well, I think the reason behind that is likely because they they have no guarantees to keep Taylor Hall. Right, and they have to make him think, and they have to make a lot of noise, and hopefully make their playoff revenue right, get to the playoffs, make some real money, um, you know, f- get the owners happy, so you can say, all right, Taylor Hall. Um, you know what the deal Panarin got? You have a heart trophy attached to your name. We're going to do that deal like, and see if he takes it because that's uh, people don't forget when you win a heart trophy, Joe, especially when you become a UFA two years later. So that will be really big. But like, if you think about the other teams like Carolina, you know they, they chose to stick with Mrazek, but 
they're going to match the offer sheet. That we did see an offer sheet, by the way. Uh, Montreal did uh, Aho. But like we we finally see an offer sheet, and it comes from Montreal, which is a team nobody's expecting to buck the trend yeah, because yeah. they're all hockey boys, and that's the fucking offer sheet. I know. Carolina's gonna like def- who is it? Don Waddell. Waddell. Don he's Waddell, the. Yeah. He was just like he walked out, and he's like, I expected it to be bigger. That's a huge. Like you're fucking completely smacking. You did Carolina's work for them, right? You you, you negotiated a. And here's the other thing: if if you're Aho, how do you sign that deal? Yes, um, Sebastian Aho's agent made. I think he made a tough call there, but like I would have, and I I know a lot of it comes down to what the you know what you have to do in terms of compensation, but I mean this they were I think literally four thousand dollars over the life of the contract away from the next tier up in compensation. Yeah. But, like, Carolina's official Twitter account is already tweeting yeah, all signs point matching? towards them matching. The, no, they just, 30 minutes ago, all signs point towards us matching the offer. Yeah. Why would like, why wouldn't you? Of course you would. Make it interesting. But you know what? Hats off to Montreal for trying something. Yeah, but the, but the thing I was driving to, Joe, is, like, Carolina is a, t- is a team that's young and really interesting and good in this division that I think will be a force to be reckoned with. There was a case about the Islanders because of Matthew Barzell, right? And I'm not nervous about the Islanders right now based on what they did in this offseason. I feel like they really made a lot of lateral moves. And, you know, after the crazy crazy offseason they had last year with Tavares and they're like, yeah, we're going to sign a bunch of guys that everyone's going to make fun of us for, and then we're going to go ahead and make it into the playoffs and, and make everyone look like a jackass. Maybe they do that again this year, and maybe I'm wrong and a lot of other, other people are wrong. I don't think so. I mean, I still think it's... I, I don't know how concerned I would have been. I definitely would have been upset if Panarin went to the Islanders for normal reasons, but by the same token, you absolutely cannot make decisions based on what the Islanders are doing. If you're going to lose Panarin unless you go to $13 million a year to the Islanders, so be it. You 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 have to stick to your guns on some level, and again, say there wouldn't have. But here's what I would say. Of all the seven-plus-year contracts signed today, yeah, and I don't think anybody actually signed a hometown contract. They couldn't, actually. Last night was the deadline. Mm-hmm. So of all the seven-year contracts signed today, I would say Panarin's is the best right now and will age the best. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. You're going to sign Anders Lee to a seven-year, $49 million contract, the Duchesne contract. I would take Panarin and his contract over those guys, even at the increased salary, 10 times out of 10. Seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Hmm. Like, I, I, the thing with the, the contract for Panarin is, like, I, I consider it to be a reasonable deal for the market. Like, to me, the thing I can't escape is he's the second highest cap hit in the league. For now, keep that in mind. That can and will change, um, you know. Next year. Next, yeah. If you don't think Hall is getting $13 million, yeah. you're out of your um, fucking mind. But, like, if we look at the guys who got those big deals, right, we're looking at Anders Lee, Aho, Tyler Myers, uh, Zuccarello, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, Panarin, Brandon Tanev, who signed in Pittsburgh for $3.5 million over six years, which was a deal that I don't think anyone saw coming. And then it's older deals uh, that happened before July 1st. So the Kevin Hayes deal, Eberle deal, Brock Nelson, yada, yada, yada. Um, so... 
if you talk about those deals, uh, the one I'm most comfortable with is, you know, I would say Aho then Panarin. The difference being Aho's 21. Like, you know, that's just... And the work was done for Carolina by Montreal in that deal. Like, but if we're talking about the guy who was a UFA, it's Panarin by a landslide to me. Uh, Zuccarello is going to be 32 when his deal kicks in. I don't know about that, buddy. I love Zuccarello. I know we already went over it. Yeah, it's a bad bad contract. It's a bad contract. Period. End of story. The Anders Lee contract is a bad contract. It's not terrible. It's not the $9 million that we thought. It's not a good contract. to to Kreider. He just does a few things differently. But, like... He had one good year of playing defense. Yeah, he hasn't been very... Kreider's a a beast in all three zones. Kreider is a far superior two-way player. And Anders Lee, last... The season 2017-18 with Tavares, 40 goals, 22 assists. Last season, no Tavares, 28 goals, 23 assists. So there's something there that's pretty obvious. Like, that's what that the John Tavares effect. And the thing is, the Rangers got a player who has a John Tavares level of effect, right? He's a guy who makes everyone around him better. And that's that makes all this that much sweeter for the Rangers. So here's what I'm going to do for you, Michael. You yeah, ready? You're going to do something for me. I'm going to read off every single contract, seven years or longer, that was signed in 2019, including contracts that were not signed at this free agency deadline. Okay. Or the free agency opening. Okay. Yeah. You have Mark Stone signed an eight-year, nine-point-five million-dollar cap hit. I'm you have Nick Schmaltz. This is a very dangerous game for me. Um, seven years, five point eight million. I'm terrible with names. You have Jeff Skinner, eight years, nine million dollar cap hit. That you have Jeff Carlson. Oh my God. Carlson's eight years, eleven point five. Great to get him back, but that contract's going to be terrible in a couple of years. You have Hayes, seven years, fifty million, love which Kevin is a seven point one four million Kevin contract. That much. William Carlson got eight years for five point nine million. Panarin, seven for eleven six four. Duchesne, seven point for eight. Bobrovsky, seven for ten, and Lee is seven for seven. Of all of those contracts, I guess you could make an argument that Stone is a better contract because he's twenty six, puts up similar offense, and is only a nine point five million dollar cap Here's hit. The thing. Winnipeg, I mean Vancouver didn't get Stone for nothing. They Vegas. Tra- um, yeah, I'm so. Oh my god, my brain just farted on me. Like Vegas didn't get stoned for nothing. They gave up a lot to Ottawa, and then they signed him. They right, and it's it's of all of those contracts, it's a very different thing than getting a guy as a UFA. It's hard for me to think that Panarin does not have. He also got another year in term. Right, and I mean, I'm looking over. I'm just looking at. His numbers, Stone's numbers. I mean, Stone is a is a good hockey player. Do not get very, me wrong. Very, very good. Very, very good hockey player. And he was a good hockey player on really bad Ottawa Senators teams. But any, I mean, it's it, you're right. It's not really a great comparison because he was traded for, so he did have a little bit more leverage. But but goddamn, of all those long term contracts, I think you can make a case Panarin is the best one. Bobrovsky is seven years. $10 million. He is $11 million cheaper than Panarin. That's insane. It's insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, Vegas gave up 
you know, Eric Brandstrom, their 15th overall pick. Who uh, we could easily say is one of the top prospects in the NHL. Is very, very, very good prospect. They give up former Ranger Oscar Lindbergh and a second round pick in the stacked 2020 draft to get Mark Stone. Ah, uh, good old Oscar I know good if, old Oscar if you're Lindbergh. not a Rangers fan and you're listening to this, I'm sure by now you've, you're like rolling your eyes and saying, how much are they going to try and defend this contract? I want to like... I want to know what somebody's problem would be with it. It's just a reasonable contract, as crazy as the price tag is. This is what you have to pay for a franchise first-line winger of this caliber. Just like we've been talking about the Henrik Lundqvist contract. If you're going to go into the market and not develop your own talent, which the Rangers, thankfully, will be able to do with a lot of their young guys, but they having a guy like Panarin in this lineup will actually, in turn greatly help the development of guys like Kako and guys like Kravstov and even Leas Anderson and Philip Hedl. You have a guy who will be out there and he'll play the, the best players on the other team every damn night, still make them look silly. And the guys who are playing with Panarin will benefit. And the guys who can benefit from not having to play those minutes and get to face off against lesser competition will benefit as well. And that is that is the reason this move is the master stroke. It is you. There's a, a hole in the lineup. They needed. They've needed a player like this for a long time. At you know a forward, Mika Zibanejad became a great, great player for this team. They got him on a great contract, and now you have a truly elite winger for him. It's going to be a fun three years, which is what Zibanejad has left on his deal. Uh, yeah, watching, that's a different problem, him. but we don't have to think about that right no, now. No, but like to me, that's not even a problem. This is all just what what realistic. This is what happens, Joe. Right? In a like, salary cap era, yeah, you're absolutely and, correct. All right, let's say in, in three years from now, the Rangers can't afford Zabinajad. How many young center prospects do the Rangers have, and how many more might they come upon? Like, just if they develop Filipito as a second line center in the upcoming season, maybe yeah, he maybe he steps in. Guy. Maybe he becomes that guy. Here's the be-all, end-all, and we will end this now because we have a shitload of questions from Hopper, as you can imagine. Um, The New York Rangers are an unbelievably better team today than they were the last time we podcasted. The last time we podcasted, they had the draft and they added Kako. They were an unbelievably better team then than they were the, the week before. The week before that, they got Truba, and they were an unbelievably better team than they were before you go a couple more weeks back they were even better with adam fox than they were the week before the new york ranger i mean it's impossible to realistically if you told me map out the rangers best 19 months realistically i would push this paper back to you and be like this is unrealistic there's no way all these things could happen joe and they've happened rangers major offseason moves thus far out jimmy vc neil pionk a 2019 first, 20th overall that went back to Winnipeg. 2019 second that went to Carolina. And the conditional 2020 second, which could be a third, but it's going to be a second. Coming into the team, Panarin, Truba, Fox, and a third round pick in 2021. Oof, just gets me all... VC and Pionk are were arguably the two most problematic players. We were worried about fucking Pionk's contract. Now he's yeah, Winnipeg's problem. They were problematic in that they were players who would could obstruct the development of other players, right? They they were guys in the, that were part of a log jam. Just a jam and log. They're gone. 
They're gone. And in their place are Jacob Truba, Adam Fox, and Artemi Panarin. Oh, it's so good. Pretty so good, good. Man. Uh, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Please subscribe. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes because people are jerks. Um, and leave a nice review. Thank you all for the support. We had our best week ever um, two weeks ago, actually. I think I meant the, the Truba trade. It was our most listened to show on the Vox Network. So thank you. Um, we've been fucking killing it. Mike and I set some pretty high expectations for the show, and we've been blowing it out of the water. So um, thank you all for that. Adam Nowick, Aiden Gaspar, Alex Gardner, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy from New Jersey, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Chris Habibi, Chris Lucas, Chris O'Connor, Craig Loshlin, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, David L. Singer, Danny Santiago, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, J Stein underscore WAPO, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Jordan Sassome, Joshua Zarkin, Keith Franchillo, Matt from Brooklyn, Guy from Montana, Michael Canick, Michael Alessante, Michael Marcus, Michael Michael Scott, Michael Silvers. We have so many Michaels. Mike Offit, Panerwin2020. You made that joke last week, you son of a bitch, and I'll kill you. Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner. Thank you all for donating. You are so much better than everybody else. Um, And uh, we will see you on the flagship fucking Artemi Panarin and Capo Caco.